Welcome to Apple Arcade Plus, the show where you get to hear from the people behind Apple Arcade games. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. We knew we wanted to have a lot of levels, you know, 100 plus levels at least, and it, it just felt like it would be hard to have a difficulty just go up and up and up and up over like 150 levels. At a certain point, you just have to plateau, right? Or else it would be ridiculous. So the idea became about, okay, breaking it up more into thinking about it in, in terms of each little world and going, okay, this world is definitely harder than this world, like overall based on the, the quirks of the mechanics that come with that world. So let's sequence it that way to start. But then also thinking about those 15 level sets is like, okay, let's ease you in and then let's hit a level that sort of feels like it's a lock, you know, like you really, you need a strategy or you need some cool gear loadout to, to pick the lock. And then once you've done that, you, know, you might die, you might die a couple times, then you do it and you feel good. And then the next one, we're gonna just ease off the gas entirely and make it feel like you're a hot knife slicing through butter. Welcome back to another episode of Apple Arcade Plus. I'm really excited to share this episode. You'll be hearing from Dan Vader, who is the game director of Grindstone, Grindstone is one of my favorite games to hit Apple Arcade, and I spent many, many nights playing this game for hours on end on my 10.5-inch iPad Pro, the Apple Pencil, and really experienced a perfect level of challenge that me coming back for more and more and did manage to actually beat Grindstone, which I was very proud of because it was a really challenging experience, but a fun one. Before we dive into the interview, here are some reminders about the podcast. You can send feedback to me at applearcadepodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet in Apple Podcasts, please spend a minute to do just that. Every review goes a really long way in helping others discover the show. I'd also love it if you could share this podcast with someone you think would be interested in these interviews. You can find the website at applearcadepodcast.com and follow the show on Twitter at Apple Arcade Plus. With that said, here's my interview with Dan all about Grindstone. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so can you first introduce yourself and Grindstone, what, what Grindstone's all about? Yeah. So my name is Dan Vader, and I'm a designer and a director at Cappy Games, and uh, we're in Toronto, Canada. So Grindstone is a sword-slashing puzzle game with color-matching mechanics. It's not a match-three, but I've heard some people describe it as sort of a, a match-the-most, match which I thought was kind of funny. And you play a character named George, uh, and it's his job to slay a bunch of creeps inside Grindstone Mountain. And you do that by tracing paths through one type of colored creeps and trying to get the biggest path to clear the most of them out. At the same time, earn the main resource in the game, which are also called Grindstones. And along the way, we add sort of more and more creatures and objects that provide little mechanical twists to that uh, basic setup. Excellent. And then as you launch the game, it kind of shares this little comic book strip almost that kind of gives the basic story. Can you dive a little bit more into who this character is and what his motivations are? I'm not sure how deep it is for, for that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So the main character's name is George. Like I said, it's spelled J-O-R-J, sort of like a, a Nordic Viking spelling of the, of the name George. And on the surface, he looks like your sort of typical sword-swinging barbarian. But rather than the, the bloodthirsty adventurer, his adventure up the mountain is really just his day job. And as you can see, it's a grind. Um, so he's really just trying to save up enough money at his day job, which happens to involve murdering 
thousands and thousands of creeps to save out the money to take his family on a vacation to the mudflats, which is about as nice a place as you can go to in this kind of bleak, bleak, brutal world. That's just the basic setup. We actually have a ton of story and lore for the game mapped out. The reason why there is such a minimal story in the game is partly we weren't sure if players would tolerate any more than that in this kind of game with that kind of setup. Yeah. And the other, and the other part was we were just sort of like, oh, we got to make Apple Arcade's launch. So, you know, so it was easy to go, well, we don't need to add story. We need to focus on the features and mechanics. So the story was something that sort of fell to the wayside. But we've actually developed a ton of, of lore and story that sort of lives in our heads. And at some point, hopefully we can, maybe we'll deploy it and, and uh, enrich the sort of the game world. Yeah, that'd be cool. And as you mentioned, there's lore and there are other characters in this inn that is kind of your home base as you go up this mountain. Did you ever consider interacting with other characters that are also trying to go up this mountain and perhaps like a graveyard with failed attempts from, <laughs> from other characters that you can read about? Yeah, the graveyard's a great idea. We should add that, actually. We have a whole bunch of other characters in our in sort of docks that that we've sort of developed that, that didn't make it into the game. But there are other characters in the game, like you said, like there's the characters at the inn, but then there's also the characters like the thief, the mystic, also the recurring raider boss that you fight, who's in that sort of crazy steampunky vehicle that he's built and he's throwing bombs at you. They all have sort of backstories that we've made up in our heads and are, are implied. And, and the idea is that, yeah, they, they are also characters in this world who sort of at one point might have might have been stone grinders just like George, but took a different, more nefarious path. But we kind of left it up to the player's imagination rather than spelling it all out. We've actually been surprised by by the reaction from from fans and from players saying like, ooh, I'd like more story in this game, which is something you don't <laughs> often hear. Like right. Usually you say enough with the story or a few less cutscenes, please. And this is the one time where we did that. We're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go light on the cutscenes and light on the story and people are actually asking for it. So yeah, it might be something we think about in the future of adding in a little bit more flavor to the world and to the lore. But we definitely know the whole the whole story and all the character dynamics and stuff. It's just it was just a question of like keeping it on the cutting room floor. Yeah, and it is a game that is enjoyable with the sound off. But you know, it's surprising. Just I guess not totally surprising based on you know the characters and the lore and everything that is kind of hinted at at least the sound is just fantastic uh, just it's very satisfying when you're going through especially a long chain can you talk a bit on the sound design and how that kind of developed well the sound is done primarily by our in-house sound designer sean lorish he's a first of all phenomenal sound designer he's the kind of guy that doesn't really need a lot of direction he's he's got a lot of great ideas and a lot of great instincts he focused a lot especially on the feeling of building up a chain the sound of tracing a path and it getting bigger and bigger and bigger and knowing that it's going up so there's that high-pitched the, the sound of the of each creep being selected going higher and higher and higher and, and creating that tension and then when you hit the go button it's like this cacophony of slaughter and that was yeah obviously very satisfying and another piece of the the sound design puzzle is the music which was done by sam webster that turned out fantastic and we're, we're really happy with it and it's been really cool to see how much people love the soundtrack as well just judging from twitter and stuff like that yeah the sound was obviously very important it had to match the the sort of cartoony fun colorful world as well and i think it, it sean and sam did a great job of that yeah and going back a bit to the characters one character i absolutely love is the character that shows up to steal gems and i quickly yeah, learned yeah. 
he's not trying to hurt you at all outside of the gem stealing. He, he'll actually destroy some of your enemies and occasionally be helpful in that way. It's actually a she. The, the thief is a she. Okay, yeah. It's not explicit. The reaction of the thief is funny. I mean, it's definitely we knew we're like, people are going to hate her, and they do. It's random when she shows up. She has a chance of showing up when you spawn grindstones based on your chains. Yeah, every once in a while, in her greedy quest to steal all the stuff that you've worked to create, she can kill some aggroed creeps that could be trouble for you later on. So it's sort of a roll of the dice when she shows up. Yeah, and then another, I guess another random character that can show up is the... It's like the Zen, you're like teleporting. Well, can you talk a little <laughs> yeah. bit about that? Yeah, I call him the mystic. And again, we have like a weird lore with him in our, in our heads. Yeah, he's sort of like the bonus character that, that takes you to the bonus realm. Early on, like before we were an Apple Arcade game, yeah, we didn't know quite how we'd release the game. I mean, we knew it was going to be on iOS, and we knew it was going to be on the App Store. We'd never done a free-to-play game or an ad-supported game before, and it kind of seemed like that was something we might want to try just because of the trends that are happening on the App Store. He was our in-world way of presenting ads for a brief time. We never actually implemented the feature because we were sort of procrastinating on that side of the game. We knew we didn't want to have, if we were going to go ad-supported, we knew we didn't want to have the style where it's like, you finish a level and an ad just interrupts the flow of your experience or we wanted an entirely opt-in ad system. And so he was our idea that this guy spawns on the board. If you want and you're having trouble in the level or something, you can path over to him by choice. And then he would say like, hey, if you stick your head in this weird portal, I'll show you some crazy vision from another dimension. And of course, it would be a, an ad. <laughs> and then at the end, he'd be like, Thanks for going on that weird trip with me and here's some here's a heart or here's some extra gems or some grindstones or here's some resources. But then we were kind of like, I we didn't want to really go the ad supported route. And then luckily the Apple Arcade thing happened as well. And so then we we're just like, let's keep him as the gateway to this bonus area. And so he's he's this kind of like mountain mystic who's made peace with the mountain and the creeps and he just hangs out and he he sticks his head into weird portals and looks at visions from other dimensions and he's sort of like a cooped out character yeah and that bonus realm is just very satisfying i think i've cleared maybe 90 percent of the floor or whatever ground in like yeah. a single it's just so great being able to chain up as much as you can there yeah it's a great feeling <laughs> to get the biggest chain you can and then any inspirations for grindstone that your team had during development whether it be sound gameplay or the art itself the game even though it just came out this year it actually has a very long development history of the studio it's something that we came up with many years ago like a, a shocking amount of time ago like a decade ago and it was around the time we were making other puzzle games in the studio we were we were making critter crunch which we released on ios and then we released a beautiful hand-drawn animated ps3 version and then we were also working on Might Magic Clash of Heroes for DS. And then later on, we did an HD version. So our heads were in that puzzle space, not just puzzle games, but puzzle games that were character based and were sort of, I, I call them literal puzzles. Like the, the, the puzzle pieces aren't abstract shapes or blobs. They're little characters that give you a sense of what they do in that world. And you're matching up little characters to engage with the mechanic. And so our creative director, Chris Petrowski, he came up with the basic mechanic for Grindstone, which was, you know, you're this barbarian character, these are just colored creeps, and you chain around and create mayhem all over the board. It was sort of an, a natural extension coming out of both Clash and Critter Crunch. That was the sort of 
the gameplay space we were in. But in terms of the world, I think around the same time, there was only one episode made of this, but we loved it. And it was Gendy Tarkovsky's Korgoth of Barbaria. It was sort of like a hilarious, brutal Conan show that I don't think ever ever got off the ground. It was like the only made one episode. Another reference for me anyway was Joe Kubert, his comic uh, Tor, which is yeah. kind of like a a caveman guy robert e howard of course like all the conan stuff key to it was like we love all that stuff but we wanted to subvert the sort of inherent machismo of those sources by having george look the part like look like a a brutal barbarian but really he's just like a family man who's doing a a a drudgery kind of job and to him killing and slaughtering and collecting loot is just like how he makes his gets his paycheck yeah and yeah, it, it totally works. It's yeah, it's, it's a fun world to be in. And something that surprised me was the iPad version was just very delightful. I, it's been on, Grindstone's been on a lot of lists for like, where do you want to play these games? And it always shows up an iPhone. But grabbed my iPad with an Apple Pencil, it just feels so great just experimenting with uh, being able to just uh, do your chains and strategize where you want to go. And just your finger you know, has some friction to it, but with the pencil, you're just kind of flying through these chain options. And I guess, um, should more people play this than I've had, I guess is my question. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I have also seen those same kind of lists where it's like, here's where you should play this game. And here's where you should play that game. And ours was like, definitely great on the phone. And that's, that's fantastic because that's what we developed it for. And I think it's, it's the thing that most people have in their pockets and it's a perfect on the go kind of game. That's how I've primarily played it is on a phone. And, and so we sort of like thought of the experience in that package, but I recently started playing it on an iPad and I of course love the art. The art team is incredible. And just so to see their art that much bigger and that much clearer and crisper is just wonderful. I really want to play it with a pencil. I don't have a, an, an Apple pencil. I really want to try it though. Cause I bet that would be really neat. But for me, it's like, yeah, it works, it works great on the phone. I, I had a, I had a blast playing on the iPad. I'm really curious to see it translates to different kinds of platforms, you know, just to see if it if it holds up and, and provides the same kind of punchy experience on different different screen sizes and different platforms and definitely developing and making levels. I was using a mouse and keyboard and it works that way too. So I think it's pretty versatile. Does it uh, scale Apple TV? I know like the aspect ratio is a vertical kind of game. Does it scale to that device and how was the input for that? There is an Apple TV version. I don't have Apple TV at my home, so I haven't played, I've only played it briefly at the office that way. But yeah, we created a slightly different interface for it, for, for both that and the Mac version. Because it is such a vertical portrait game, we sort of built out these side panels that give you more information. We take your gear and your loadout, we put it over there, we give you a portrait of George. And we knew we had to do it because of these other platforms. It was sort of late in the game. We're like, oh, we gotta, we have to do Mac version and TV version. They turned out really great. And they're actually really a, a satisfying way to play. It does work on Apple TV. And I haven't tested it much on Apple TV, but I'm looking forward to playing it at a friend's house who has it. Yeah. Now, the levels seem to all start pretty much the same. When does it start to get random? Is it based on your chains and how you approach the levels from the beginning? Or what what aspects are random to each level and what influence whether you can actually finish that level? Right. The only thing that is random in, in the levels is like the creep spawns and the stack. We call it the stack. So position-wise, like in a level, I would say, okay, this level has 100% chance of blue creeps, 100% ch- chance of green creeps, and 50% chance of purple creeps. And then the level randomly spits out where those color densities go into the grid. So that's the only random thing. Otherwise, I'd say like, okay, this block, I place the 
you know, the objects I place, the jerks, you know, the, the bigger creeps, if the level starts with them on the board, then I'm setting their position. The random thing is when you do a big chain, you can make a bunch of empty spaces when the stack falls and repopulates. That's random. And then the other thing that's random is each turn I set in, in the level how many of these creeps are going to go aggro, i.e. be dangerous. And I'm not saying literally which grid spaces will be dangerous. It's just random. Other levels I've said, okay, I want there to be, you know, spear creeps in this or spear jerks in this level. But just for fun, I'm not going to set their positions. I'm just going to have them spawn based on the spawning mechanic. And then I will, they'll be, they'll be randomized every time. For the most part, when I'm using like objects or the jerks, I'm tending to start the level with like a specific spot they started. Yeah. The other thing that is random is for the most part, where the chests land and where like the royal slob guys land as well that's generally just random okay yeah and i really like the spear creeps where you're able to kind of encourage them to attack the other spear creep and yeah, that, that's yeah, just a yeah. fun thing to do <laughs> yeah we worked on another game called OKKO, OK let's play heroes and we had a certain amount of enemies being able to hit other enemies by by accident and it just creates this sort of unintentional comedy plus it's it's just a nice little, it helps the player out every once in a while. And that just felt good. And I thought, yeah, in this game, it would just be funny if in a lot of cases, the enemies could hurt each other and they kind of look like doofuses when they do on purpose. It just creates a little bit of comedy. And it also, it's, it's such a relief when you're in a tense position and you watch one of those spear jerks, like you just get out of his way and then he throws it and hits his own buddy. And you're like, yes, that guy's one HP lower. He's that much easier to kill. Yeah. I've also been saved by, I think, a key or something killing like a spear dude when i accidentally went to the wrong spot so it's fun having the random objects just fall yeah the uh, difficulty ramp it's kind of an interesting one because for me i encountered some levels that were just like i'm never gonna finish this game this is just brutally difficult <laughs> and i'm like not even that far in and then you get through that and then the next level is like significantly easier can you speak a little bit about that progression and how you kind of thought about that yeah we knew we wanted to have a lot of levels you know 100 plus levels at least and it, it just felt like it would be hard to have a difficulty just go up and up and up and up over a, over like 150 levels at a certain point you just have to plateau right right so it would be ridiculous so the idea became about okay breaking it up more into thinking about it in, in terms of each little world and going okay this world is definitely harder than this world like overall based on the, the quirks of the mechanics that come with that world so let's sequence it that way to start but then also thinking about those 15 level sets is like okay let's ease you in and then let's hit a level that sort of feels like it's a lock you know like you really you need a strategy or you need some cool gear loadout to to pick the lock and then once you've done that you, know, you might die you might die a couple times and then you do it and you feel good and then the next one we're gonna just ease off the gas entirely and make it feel like you're a hot knife slicing through butter, you know, like no resistance and just rack up a bunch of rhinestones that you might've lost the previous level. And so it was sort of like a, it was a peaks and valleys uh, approach to the balance for, but in general, like <clears throat> even the toughest levels monitored feedback on difficulty over Twitter and stuff. And it seemed like people were like, whoa, 20 the levels in the twenties were, were difficult. But if you die and just try again, I know that most people are very resistant to dying in games, but there, there is no, like I, with every level, I would play it like 50 times or more and try to change the random seed every time and just see if it ever got impossible. And I never found any level like impossible. Yeah. It was usually like I would get greedy or make a stupid mistake or, 
oh yeah, I went in and I didn't have any shields to help me to bail me out or anything. So while there is is a tough level, I, I always felt for the most part. I mean, there could be it's there is a certain amount of randomness, but I always felt like there was a way out. I, I might not. Have, I've seen it or taken it. Yeah. And is anyone at the team good enough there to beat levels with zero inventory? And Oh, yeah. It's not required. I mean, that's one way that I would test levels is I would I would try to beat them over and over and over again using no gear at all. And that was like a, you know, that was an indicator of like, okay. If, if, and, and I also felt it was okay if you needed gear to beat a level because we had provided all this gear and that was part of the flow. But I definitely did try to um, make sure that levels were beatable without anything. That was like part of my process. And with the inventory, I had certain loadouts that like I'm gonna I'm gonna set these loadouts that don't involve any resources to replenish, and then others that I take into matches that I knew were gonna be tougher. And it's kind of interesting just balancing your loadouts and the costs benefit analysis of do you actually want to use some of your resources to recraft some of those and then the health system you're able to drink potions have shields to protect you during the level but there's no way to actually permanently gain a heart uh like you could in other games um can you speak about kind of the health system and progression in terms of that the the health system it's definitely one of the things that is i've seen cause the most friction with people from what i've seen on like twitter or whatever i think people mistakenly assume that the health system the, the fact that your your health is persistent over levels is based on like oh this used to be a free-to-play game and they ripped that mechanic out right in the last moment before they became an apple arcade game but really i think they're just quibbling with something that I felt was engaging was was just having to manage your health. That was the design design decision was was it was motivated by I just found it more engaging to having a sort of uh, outside metagame between levels of like, okay, I've got to manage my health. I have to replenish it manually. I have to think about my grindstones, how many I have. I have to think about what resources are going into what gear. And I just found, I find that generally in games engaging. I, I, I enjoy that about certain games. So that was the reason to have that kind of health system as opposed to like I beat a level and everything refreshes, which is fine. And I think that makes sense also. It's just at the end of the day, I, I just thought it was more engaging and it just hooked me more to have this sort of tension of like, okay, well I can go into this next level wounded with just one heart and see if I can roll the dice on it. Or I can go back to an earlier level that I, that I know well and I can grind out a couple more grindstones and heal up. I just like that tension. Yeah, it brings some cohesion. This is a real, they're all connected, all these different levels. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like that you don't penalize people for just buying one heart. It's the same cost regardless if you buy one or two. Yeah, exactly. It was sort of like if you're, if you're broke at that moment, you can still get another heart and then go in with two as opposed to three kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite armor set that you guys implemented into the game? There's two I actually really like a lot. They share a similarity. One is the very first armor you get, which is the gladiator garb. It's the one that just has like a chance of blocking an attack. And I, I like it because I always forget that I have it on. And then I'm like, oh, I'm dead. This level's over. I'm screwed. I'm, I'm in this this position where I'm never going to get out. Enemy attacks me. And then that gear, that dice roll happens and, and rolls in my favor. And the armor kicks in. I just love that moment of like, wow, okay, I'm back in this. I'm still in the game. Like, it's just a fun little surprise. The other one is similar. In, it's, it's one you get much later in the game. Also, I think it's like the last one is the grindstone garb. It's the one that has a chance when you create a grindstone, it has a chance of cloning it and creating a, a duplicate. And that's another one where I'm just like, yes, I just did a 30 chain 
And I just got two 30 grindstones on the board, which are like, yes, now I'm rich and rolling in it. I just love that little surprise moment. Yeah. And then I do really like that you're able to kind of bail out of levels whenever you meet the first main objective. There's multiple layers to it. Was that always in the game from the get-go that you'd wanted this like baseline and then there's other things that it progressively gets harder to stay in that world uh, to, to do? Yeah, it was, it was, but we sort of waffled back and forth on it at one point. That was, that was actually a major decision that we sort of went back and forth on and was how to end a level. At one point, I think... Early on, we had it as the way you see it now, which is I've completed the objective and now it's up to me to path my way safely out the door. So I beat I beat the objective, but I'm not out of the woods. And then we were sort of gun shy on that. Like, is the feedback on that clear enough? Is Are people going to know that they've done the thing and that on and on? And so then we tried a version where it's like, okay, I just killed the 50 creeps that it is required for this level. And then the level just automatically ends for you. Yeah, I have died on the way to the exit before. Absolutely. So then we try the version where it's just like, okay, the, the player did the thing. Yay, level's over. And just like wipe you to the, the score summary. And we just felt like we were losing that tension. And so we went back to it and we stuck with it, which is the way it is now. But then we actually even upped the ante a little bit. Before, we, we always had the, the three objectives. Like there's the chest that, you know, could have some goodies in it. And there's also the royal. And they would sort of just, I took a sort of slapdash approach to spawning in the levels. Like sometimes it was early on in the level. Sometimes it was in the midway point. Sometimes it was at the end. Then we decided, let's just make it consistent. Let's make it for the most part, those things always spawn in when you've completed the level objective. So now you've got this devil on your shoulder saying, ah, stick around, try to get those things. And when the door is right there, you can leave, you're safe, you can go. And so we wanted to sort of use those objectives to tempt the player. Because of course, when the door opens and the level objective is complete, then we start increasing the amount of creeps that get aggro. So that means that the level gets a little more harder every turn. And so that became a really fun tension in a way to sort of trap the player with their greed. It's also a great feeling when the whole board is on fire. <laughs> you get you get the chest, you get the slob, and you get out with, with your, your skin intact. Like that's a great feeling. And so that flow, when that crystallizes, like, oh, okay, that's the game. That's great. That feels really good. Yeah, and that is super satisfying when you can pull it off. And also super aggravating when you realize, I could have escaped, but now I'm just totally stuck in this. Here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then there are some levels where the ground's kind of disappearing before your feet, and you only have a certain <laughs> amount of moves you yeah. can make it through that level, yeah. uh, regardless of aggro. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a favorite part of the mountain and certain enemies, different, you know, either fire or ice? or? I like the bats, the, the bat caves and the crypts, and I also like the vines in the marshlands. I like them for different reasons, but the, the bats I like because when you destroy their cave and you unleash them onto the onto the board, they're like these agents of chaos. You know, they, they do their, their pattern, which is this circular flying motion and they just destroy lots of stuff and they hurt other jerks and they knock resources all the board so i i tend to like think of them as my friends as opposed to enemies so like i'll work to get them out of their caves and then i'll stay away from them and let them just like totally mess with the board i just like the chaos they bring and how much they actually help me in the end and then for the vines what i like about the vines is that they visually look like they congest the level, you know, that it makes it, they, they literally, they're strangling the spaces of the level. So it feels very constricted, but because you can chain through the vines and, and change colors, it actually really ups the puzzle I guess, of levels. You look congested and then 
actually, if you go through this vine, then that vine, then that vine, you can yield these really crazy winding paths that take you all over the board. So I just like that sort of puzzly aspect they add. Yeah. And yeah, the vines, I did see that as well when I played and also the ability to, you can take out a whole set of vines by killing kind of the root plant, which is fun. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, and I was going to say many times I thought I was just about done. It's like, this looks like the final boss. And then, oh, there's another <laughs> whole world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's the kind of game where at one point we were thinking about it as a, a sort of beginning, middle and end game. And then when we got into it, we were like, we all just liked playing it so much, even when we didn't have to work on it, we were playing it just on our weekends and stuff. We were like, this really feels like a game that doesn't need to end it shouldn't end especially because the narrative setup is just you're going to your job and so you go on a vacation well what happens when you when you leave your vacation you go back to your job right so yeah it kind of seems like the game that can just keep going and going and going right like right he goes back to the grindstone you know have you considered adding extra content down the line definitely yeah we are we are very seriously talking about that right now very cool and so apple arcade that was a Good process for you guys working with that and yeah fantastic it happened pretty late in the development you know like i said we were always planning for an ios release you know whether it was going to be a premium game or or not and then the apple arcade opportunity came up and we just jumped at it we were like yeah i mean we don't know what arcade's going to be but it sounds exciting and it's apple and they'll probably do something really cool with it and then we just had our heads down trying to make the launch we were luckily very far in development anyway yeah we just sort of put our heads down and tried to make the launch so we didn't have a lot of time to speculate about what arcade was even going to be or we didn't even know like really what other games were going to be on there. So we didn't really have a clear picture of where our game was going, essentially, other than just like, okay, it's going to go to this Apple thing. And then it was really cool on launch day to open up the app, to see Arcade, to see all the really cool games. And also all the press that it got was really positive, which, you know, in this day and age, there's a lot of cynicism out there. And it was like, wow, people are really digging this, like both the press and the general public. And which made sense because we opened it up and we were digging it too. So it was a really great experience. And we're, I'm still super excited going through the games and playing different games. And then they add five new games and check them all out. And I, I think it's a really exciting platform. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the quality is just outstanding. And Grindstone was, yeah, it's like, wow, this is just a great puzzle game. And I would not, you know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't have tried it if it was on arcade, but it certainly was like, oh, let me just give this a shot. And once you get into it, you really do, yeah, find what's feeling about it yeah i think like it, you know there's no way of knowing what it what profile it would have achieved on the app store you know how people would find it there there's something about i mean just for me when i you know there's games on apple arcade that i might have not have even looked at if they were on the app store because they weren't my thing or whatever but just by virtue of them being on apple arcade i'm like okay there's like a hand behind these these picks you know and that and that makes them i'm gonna i, I want to check them out i want to know there's a, there's a feeling of curation there that makes me want to check everything out as opposed to if I'm just seeing it on a storefront where there's just like a whole bunch of stuff, you know? Right. And then anything we didn't cover about Grindstone they'd like to before we wrap it up? Just a little bit about the gear, I guess. Yeah. Because I've seen lots of people sort of talking about what their favorite gear is or whether gear is even essential and that kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, our approach to the to the gear was, you know, we didn't want to treat the gear as a sort of a puzzle that needs to be figured out on its own as opposed, you know, like, like there's no way to pass X level without Y gear. We just wanted to provide a host of gear that just allowed you to create your own sort of play style. 
or, or for us to be surprised by combinations of emergent play style, you know, like this, this gear plus this costume plus this makes this part way easier than we even thought it would, you know, that we, we kind of like that kind of thing. Yeah. So gear was not necessarily about being able to just pass a level. We, we kind of felt like, like I said, I tested levels, being able to beat a simple level objective without any gear, but the gear was sort of more meant for, okay, now I want to get the chest or I want to get, I want to get, I want a hundred percent this level Then I might have to lean on my gear. Right. Being able to stand in acid is certainly a very helpful ability. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, we just, we've done that a lot in other games as well. Like we've, we've, decided instead of going like okay we're gonna we're gonna make the gear like a puzzle where only this kind of weapon can get you through this area instead we were thinking of it as just let's let's just throw a whole bunch of ideas at the wall put them in the game and then let players choose and and choose to go like this one i don't use ever like this one i never use i i don't see the purpose of this one whereas i love this one and then seeing people have different opinions on those is interesting so we did that in super time force ultra we had 19 playable characters and they had their own abilities and it was fun people go like that character sh- i never use that character and then i people go, that's my favorite character you know what i mean and i just we love that kind of we did with okko as well there's a a card ability system and we had I can't remember we had like 17 or 18 characters in there too and and yeah it was just fun just to watch like let's plays and stuff where it's like oh they're only using those two that's weird like they haven't even found the best ones or to them, those are the best ones. And so we just, that was our approach to gear. It's just like, let's throw a whole bunch of gear at the wall and let players decide what is useful and what, what their favorites are. Yeah. And the blueprints, those are locked to those individual levels. Is that right? There's no random aspect there? Yeah, they are, which I know, like, definitely we, we considered uh, making it more of a random thing, but then we just decided to go, okay, well, we're going to put them in levels where I can control the ramp, you know? So, like, this yeah. is a particularly hard level. And the chest is actually pretty hard to get in this level. And then there's a blueprint in it. And the other chest is you're getting, you know, grindstones and different resources that help you with those blueprints. And I, I like that it is a blueprint that you're finding. It's kind of cool versus just... Just giving you the thing. Right, yeah. Yeah, they, they an, we, we wanted to create a bit of an excitement to go back to the shop, you know, as part of the part of the flow. Cool, I got a new thing. I want to see what it is, see what it does, and then I want to buy it. Yeah. So uh, where can people find more information about your studio and Grindstone? Well, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Our website is capybaragames.com. If people are interested in Grindstone, they should check out our previous games. There's a lot of them. We've been around for about 15 or 16 years. So we have a lot of games. We have Below, uh, OK, KO, Let's Play Heroes. We did the Don't Starve expansion, Shipwrecked. Super Time Force is a personal favorite of ours. Yeah, there's lots of Cappy games out there if you're interested. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dan, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your interest in the game. Thanks a lot, Tim. Well, that was my interview with Dan Vader, the game director of Grindstone. Thanks again to Dan for his time recording this interview, and thank you for your time and attention tuning in to this episode of Apple Arcade Plus. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, please head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review and share this episode with a friend if you have someone in your life that may be interested in hearing from these game creators. You can find the website at applearcadepodcast.com, and normally at the end of every episode, I share what is next on Apple Arcade Plus, but I'm still working on that this time around, so nothing to share yet, but follow the show's Twitter at Apple Arcade Plus for more information on what that game will be when I know. It may not be until after the new year with scheduling during the holidays, and if I don't talk to everyone before that, have a wonderful end of 2019, and thanks again for listening. I'll talk to everyone again. Real soon.